Genesis chapter 8, as we continue our Sunday morning series through this book, after five months of the floodwaters prevailing over the earth, God has now stopped the fountains of the deep, closed the windows of heaven, and restrained the rains. The ark has come to rest somewhere upon the mountains of Ararat as the waters decrease continually. And they continued to decrease for two and a half months after they came to rest until they finally began to see the top of the the mountains. And last week we considered the patience of Noah. The fact that this ark had come to rest and he sees land, tops of mountains. He was on one and yet he doesn't get out of the ark. I just think about my mindset and there's no way I would have lasted that long. I mentioned last week I would have opened the door and at least had my lawn chair at the door and enjoyed some coffee during sunrise. And so Noah waited 40 days after land first appeared before he made a move. And even then, he only opened the window that he had made in the ark and he sent forth a raven. And seven days after, he sent a dove. He waited another seven days, sent a dove again, waited another seven days and sent the dove for the third time. By verse 13, they are now 320 days upon the ark. 163 of those days is since the ark has come to rest. And then finally in verse 14, the, with the ark having rested for 220 days, they've been on there for 377 days total. God's finally going to call them out of the ark, and all told, they will spend more time with the ark resting than they did with the ark floating. And this is extraordinary patience by Noah. He's waiting for God's perfect timing. That took faith in God, amen? Amen. These are two things that are critical for us to live a profitable and successful Christian life. Faith and patience. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Speaking of God. In James 1.4, let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect, entire, and wanting nothing. So how important is faith? You can't please God without it. How important is patience? If you'll learn patience, you'll be complete. You'll be completely sound in all areas, and you won't lack anything in your walk with God. So learn to let patience have her perfect work. I know that's difficult. It is something I believe we have to learn. Remember, it takes the trying of our faith in order to get patience. So two things we both love. The trying of our faith and waiting. For today, we'll be in the same set of verses as we were last week. We're finally going to consider the raven and the dove. Noah is going to send forth the raven first and then a dove to determine when the earth is habitable again. Let's begin by reading verses 4 through 12. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark. 
for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again to him any more. Amen and amen. The whole scenario of Noah sending forth these two birds is very interesting to me. God hasn't commanded Noah to do this. Can I just pause right there and tell you, God's given you a brain. And though some of you, I wonder, He's given you common sense. (laughs) He's given you the ability to think. And God doesn't have to tell you every little thing before you make a decision. So what are you talking about? Well, can you afford the car or not? Can you live within your means or not? And listen, I got this awesome job offer and it's, uh, it's in another town. Do they have the right church? We can give all kinds of scenarios. There are certain things you don't have to sit there, well, God's going gonna to show me. No, He's given you a mind. He's given you the ability to think, and, and there's some things I don't have to think about. Do I have to jump out of a plane with a parachute hoping it'll open? No. No, that's not smart. I did that once. Looking back, how stupid is that? I mean, you're falling, it's cool, but then it's like, Lord, let this thing open, please. And God had every right to say, what are you doing jumping out of a plane? Idiot. I went bungee jumping once. How stupid is that? I'm going to jump off this thing and hope this cord holds. That was my dad's fault. Anyway, he doesn't command Noah to do this, but Noah's got sense. He's got a mind. He can figure out some things, and he sends these birds. Sorry, that's not even in my notes. That's off track. But but Noah here, he doesn't open the door like I said I would. He, He stays put, and he opens the window, but... He remains inside the ark here, and in verse 6, after 40 days, he, in, in verse 7, sorry, he sends forth a raven. Why did Noah send forth a raven? Why wouldn't he bypass the process of sending a raven to go straight for the dove? I'm, I'm, this is just how my mind thinks as I read through this. The dove is what gave you the answer, not the raven. Uh, why does he send forth the raven, and I don't think I have a satisfactory answer yet. And you can spend all kind of time, uh, time trying to get into Noah's mind and, and figure out what he was thinking, why he sent out this raven. All we can really do is speculate. Um, we, we do know ravens are considered an abominable and unclean bird, according to God in Leviticus 11.15 and Deuteronomy 14.14. 14. And therefore, a raven is not to be eaten under the law because of their diet, Ravens are opportunistic birds. They'll pretty much eat anything, but one of their favorite things is rotting flesh, dead flesh. And they have no problem eating something that is unclean, and God said to Israel, just stay away from it, don't eat it. Proverbs thirty seventeen: The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pluck it out. That's how a raven is. Because they're opportunistic, remember God used a raven to feed Elijah when he was in the wilderness. 
Uh, what did the raven bring him? Bread and meat. And they'll, they'll eat about anything. And just an interesting side note along these lines, when Jesus teaches us to have faith and trust in him, uh, isn't it interesting? He tells us to consider the ravens. Luke 12, 24, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? Psalm 147, 9, He giveth to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. Job 38, 41, As God is, is laying out a list of questions to Job, Who provideth for the raven his food? When his young ones cry, Unto God. And so, uh, since God provides for the unclean ravens, they can't plant, they can't sow, they don't have Walmart, they don't have barns. Amen? He'll provide for them. And Jesus says, You should never doubt my care for you. If I can care for the unclean and the abominable, I can take care of my children. How much better are ye than the fowls? Listen, Jesus will supply your every need. The Bible says He will do so according to His riches and glory, and that's pretty good. In fact, that is better than pretty good. Once you learn to trust the Lord's watch care over you, you no longer have to worry about layoffs, inflation, Rising gas prices. You don't have to worry about Social Security if it dissolves or not. Everybody with me? You don't have to worry about your retirement package. Why? Because we're more valuable to God than any part of His creation. And He will make a way. Back to Noah here. He sends forth a raven first. He he knew they would feed on dead carcasses, and I imagine this is part of his, His rationale. And we we read in verse 7 that the raven went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up. And to go to and fro here means that it kept going out and returning to the ark until the waters were eventually uh, dried from off the face of the earth and then it returned no more. And though the the raven's going to and fro from the ark, it is believed that the raven never re-entered the ark but only perched upon it because as we'll see in a moment, the dove... When it returns, Noah brings the dove back in unto him, but we don't find this taking place with the raven. And the raven would not provide Noah with the answer he was looking for. Therefore, in verse 8, he sends forth a a dove to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. And I mentioned last week that the language in verse 10 suggests that once he had sent the raven, he waited seven days before he sent the first dove because it says he stayed yet other seven days, and that implies he stayed seven days the first time. But why a dove this time? Well, the differences in acceptable living conditions between a raven and a dove are considerable. Just think about what I've I've talked about already with a raven. Doves are not opportunistic like ravens. They, a raven and a dove have two different natures. A raven has no problem feeding on death. But a dove, being a clean animal, doesn't feed on carcasses. A dove will not light upon rotting flesh like a raven will. A raven can survive surrounded by death while a dove needs life to survive. A dove needs seeds and grains 
life to produce that in order to live. So he sends out the dove, but in verse 9, the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And as I just mentioned, since a dove won't land upon rotting flesh, that's why she finds no rest. Therefore, the dove returns to the ark, and unlike the raven, we see Noah brings the dove in unto him in the ark. In verse 10, after seven more days, he sends the dove again. If, if the raven were to return with anything, it would have only returned with signs of death because that's its diet. That's how it lives. If the dove were to return with anything, it would return with the signs of life because it needs life to live. And at this time, in verse 11, the dove returns with a plucked off olive leaf in her mouth. That would be consistent with the habitat, the diet, the life of a dove. And this imagery, you've seen it, I'm sure, all over a dove with an olive branch in its mouth or something like that. And it's been used as a symbol of peace the world over. Where'd they get that from? The Bible. This whole account here is where they got it. Now, I personally don't expect Noah... Uh, I, I don't think Noah would have expected a bird to come back with anything. I don't think that was probably his thinking. I don't think it's logical to think I'm going to send out a dove and it's going to come back with a leaf. I don't see a whole lot of doves flying around with leaves. Is everybody with me this morning? Let's loosen up. Amen. We, listen, we moved off of the, almost off the plains. We're, we're up here just north of town now. And uh, there's doves everywhere. I hear them every morning. And I thought I missed the sound of birds until I hear them things morning. It's like, shut up. I'm trying to study, Lord. Thank you for the birds. And uh, I never see them flying around with a leaf in their mouth. And I don't think Noah here was, was expecting that. But that's what he gets. Isn't that interesting? Aren't you glad that God gives little tokens of hope when you're going through it? Here he is in the storm of his life, and this olive leaf shows up. God may give you a verse of Scripture. Amen. God may give you a song. God may give you something from a message at church. Amen. God may give you a word from a friend. But God blesses us with these little things along the way as we go and we find ourselves struggling and we're hurting and we're wondering and we're... uh, just wanting God to show us something. And, and God gives us these little things. And, and I want you to know that, that God cares about you. Amen. He'll encourage you with these little things just to persevere, to keep going, to make it through. And I want you to know this morning, listen to me, if you're going through it, God wants you to know that there's life on the other side of that storm. Amen. Don't give up. Maybe you've been through the pain of a divorce. Maybe it's the heartbreak of a wayward child. Maybe you're dealing with complicated health issues. Maybe you had a troubled childhood. Maybe you suffered through abuse and and those memories are there and they're painful and you have to work through those. Listen, God wants you to have victory. He wants you to know that there's life on the other side of your storm. There is healing. You can experience victory again in your life. And olive leaf is such an insignificant thing in the grand scheme of things. But don't you know, it was huge to them in that moment. And this dove comes back with a leaf. What are we going to do with that thing? Hey, God's working. Things are starting to bloom. There's signs of life. There's hope. We're going to get off this thing and everything's going to be okay. It seems insignificant, but it's huge. Pick me up. 
So just stay faithful. Keep trusting God. Look for the small things as you go through your storm and as you go through your trial. And, and listen, how do I receive those blessings? You stay faithful. Amen. Noah stayed faithful. And you just stay with it. He waited 40 days. He sent out the raven, but no avail. He waited seven days, sent out the dove, but no avail. He waited seven more days and he sent out the dove. And this time, God blessed Noah with this sign of life that everything was going to work out. And I want to tell you, just stay faithful. Be faithful in prayer. Amen? Be faithful in the Word of God. Get in there and hear from God and see what He has to say. And and be faithful to the church house. Amen. Be faithful to give as God has blessed you. Just stay with it. Just stay faithful. In due season ye shall reap if you faint not. David said in Psalm 55, 6, he was in the midst of a great storm. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. For then would I fly away and be at rest. But listen to what else he said in Psalm 55, 16 and 17. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening, morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and He shall hear my voice. He was staying faithful. And he said at the end of Psalm 55, but I will trust in thee. Listen to me. David could not change the storm. He could not change the duration of the storm. And he could not change the intensity of the storm. But he could remain faithful to God through it all. And that's what he did. David was in a very painful time in his life. That is the psalm where you read about his friend betraying him. And and David stayed faithful. and, And though everything didn't turn out, listen, everything didn't turn out the way he would have hoped. Everything wasn't just magically fixed. There there were still issues, but listen to me. There was life after that storm in his his life. Back to our text, Noah, he knows his storm is coming to an end. The dove has returned with signs of life and he knew the waters were abated from off the earth. And in verse 12, he waits another seven days and he sends the dove out again and this time she doesn't return. Now, in verses 7 through 12, we find a lot, a, sim, a lot of symbolism with this raven and dove. There are some comparisons I want to bring out to you for you to consider this morning. And there's a lot of directions we could really go, and I found myself trying to stay in my lane here. As we consider the raven and the dove, we can see the contrast between the believer and the unbeliever. There's a difference between clean and unclean those who enjoy the new life and those who are content with the old life. The raven and the dove contrast the two different natures of mankind. The old man and the new man, as the Bible calls them. Ephesians 4, 22-24, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Like the raven, the old man is content to dwell in a world under judgment and filled with death. The dove, or the new man if you will, only finds rest and joy in the new creation. The raven is an unclean scavenger. It went to and fro, but apparently it never came back into the ark. The raven had no connection to Noah. 
No affection for Noah. No desire for Noah because it was perfectly content to be surrounded by the effects of sin and death. The dove, on the other hand, was clean. In fact, doves were an acceptable offering under the law for those who were poor. You could bring doves. In your King James, they're called turtle doves. And you could bring those and and you could offer those as an acceptable uh, offering for sin. And because the dove could not live surrounded by death, nor could the dove light upon death, the only way she could find rest was by returning to the ark. Returning to Noah inside the ark. The dove knew her life depended upon Noah and the ark. And I don't want to be guilty of taking too much liberty here, but you'll get over it. It's certainly applicable that the dove was a female because believers in Christ are known as the bride of Christ. And interestingly enough, in the Song of Solomon, they both call each other my dove. And he says she has dove's eyes. Listen, husbands, let me help you out right here. You can talk about how she's, she's a dove and how her hair is like a flock of goats and, and her, her teeth are like a flock of sheep that have been washed even how her breasts are like two young rows, but don't ever compare your wife to a raven. Amen. That's just bad philosophy. Listen, this is marriage help. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad I helped all the husbands here this morning. She'll be excited if you tell her her hair is like a flock of goats. Oh, shucks, honey. Your teeth are like wash sheep. Yeah, you don't tell me to cut it there. You like this kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. So how do we know the difference between a believer and an unbeliever? A true believer will not find rest in sin, while a non-believer has no problem remaining in sin. Don't misunderstand me. Believers might light upon sin for a season, um, but they will be convicted. They will find no rest for their soul. They might try to eat a diet of sin, but it will make them sick. Because a true believer who has tasted that the Lord is good, they know deep down in their heart there's no place for them to rest except with Noah in the ark. Let me just go ahead and spoil alert. Christ in the ark. Amen. Amen. Genesis 8, 9, But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand, and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. What a great picture of our Savior. Amen? Amen. Unlike the raven, the the dove or or the believer only finds peace and rest in the hands of our Savior inside the ark. When we go to Him for help and for rest and for comfort, He he puts forth His hand and He he brings us to Himself. Amen. John 6, 68, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And and listen, I know there might be some ravens among us today. You may pass yourself off as a dove in here, but you're not fooling God. And don't worry, I don't have time to follow people around. But what you do outside of here will reveal your nature. Amen. Amen. And there may be some ravens here today. And, and you know you're a raven because you don't enjoy the presence of Noah. I can tell some of you are at least on the fence because you look like you could care less to be here. That's why I always talk to my wife because she focuses. 
on the wrong things, but it's just for Christmas. <laughs> Ravens enjoy being outside of the ark. Ravens enjoy the presence of sin and living in sin. True Christians won't enjoy the world of sin any more than a dove enjoys a dead, rotting carcass. Listen, I'm not talking about perfection. Okay? The dove doesn't enjoy anything of the old world, but desires the things of the new world. In verse 11, the olive leaf was from the new world. This is how believers are. Believers enjoy the presence of the Lord. They enjoy life. And in verse 12, the dove will make her home in the new world. I want you to notice finally here, when we view the difference between the raven and the dove, don't worry, we still have a lot of notes to go. I said finally just for your comfort. (laughs) When we look at the difference between the raven and the dove, we can see how they contrast the difference between law and grace. The law was sent forth like a raven. The raven didn't bring any hope or signs of new life. And the law will never bring any hope of life, but it only works death. The raven is black. The law went forth in the midst of blackness on top of Mount Sinai. Hebrews 12.8, For ye are not come unto that mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. And when the law came forth, it was a fearful event. In fact, it says over there in Hebrews 12.21 of Moses that he said, I exceedingly fear and quake. The Apostle Paul makes it clear in Romans 7 that the law kills. He wrote, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. He said of the commandment, I found it to be unto death. And if you're looking to your ability to keep the law in order to be right with God... You'll never experience the new birth in Christ. You'll remain in death. Because James uh, 2.10 tells us, For whosoever shall keep the whole law. Those are the ones who say, I can get to God because I'm good enough. I'll show God by keeping His law, and I'll be good enough to get before God. And James says, for those of you who are trying to keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, He's guilty of all. All of us are liars in here. And so all of us have sinned. None of us have kept the law. Paul wrote in Romans 7, 7, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. He says, Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law has said, Thou shalt not covet. And he goes on to state in Romans 7, 12, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Why is it good if all it does is bring about death? Because the law reveals to us that we're sinners in God's sight. And, and listen now, don't miss this. That is the goodness of God to law sinners. Why is it good? Because He is pointing us to the need of a Savior. James likens the Word of God to a mirror. And and it shows us what manner of man we are, the Bible says. It shows that our likeness is not God's likeness. It shows all of us that we've fallen short of the glory of God. 
Paul wrote to the Galatians that the law is our schoolmaster, which means the law, the law of God is, is a teacher, is one who brings us by the hand to school. And the law is our schoolmaster to do what? To bring us to the ultimate teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the law is needed in our life because it shows us who we are. It shows us that we are unclean. It shows us that we need a Savior. And so the law, you can't keep it to save yourself, but you need it to show who you are. Listen, Paul told us if, if, you, if there was a way you could keep the law, be good enough to be saved, then Christ didn't need to die for you. Listen to what he wrote in Galatians 3, 21 through 25. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there, listen, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Though the law can't save anyone, the law taught us our hopeless condition. And that's all he got from the raven. And, And the law shows us we're in trouble. And this is where the dove and grace come in at. When you allow the law to be your schoolmaster, do you know who you find at the end of the law? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's standing there with open arms for whosoever will call upon Him. But see, it took the law for you to get to that point. That's why I want to make sure people understand before they just recite some prayer. Amen. Do you understand what led you to this point? You're a sinner. John the Baptist was at the Jordan River baptizing one day. He saw Jesus approaching and he declared, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. When John baptized Jesus, we read this in Matthew 3, 16 and 17. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God Descending like a dove. What did I say about a dove? It can't light upon death. Listen to what it says. He saw it descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Life. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You see, we could not, we could not be found pleasing in God's sight. But Christ could. The Spirit descended upon Him like a dove and it lighted upon Him and and in His mercy and His grace, the gospel of peace came unto us. We could not save ourselves. Not under the law. But we could go to Christ who fulfilled the law. Amen. Amen? And gave us life. The, The raven in the nature of the old man is held in bondage under the law. And that's the image we get here in Genesis 8. But in Christ, we are set free from the law and we are made a new creature and we can be like doves, if you will. We get a new nature. We can receive this through the new birth. We find peace and safety in Christ. We enjoy the delights of the new creation. We pay attention in church. All right, anyway. 
Don't get in the flesh. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. It gets better, Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Whoop! So are there any ravens here today? Do you need to experience the new birth? Do you need a new nature, which is only found in the new man through Christ? I'd ask you to go to Him today. He's the only one that can save you. We can help you with that if you need, but it is your decision. Go to Christ, and as Noah drew in that dove, our Lord and Savior will take you and draw you to Himself. Maybe there's some doves here today, and and you've actually wandered from the ark. You've wandered away from Noah. And if you're being honest, you just haven't found rest for, for your soul. Listen, you're not going to find rest because you're not a raven anymore. That old world is not going to satisfy you. It's going to make you sick. You're just not going to be you're just not going to enjoy a life of sin anymore if you're a dove. And I would tell you if there's any who have strayed, why don't you come back to Christ today? He can draw you back in as well. Amen. And so we see here in Genesis chapter 8 a clear distinction between the old man, the new man, the unbeliever, the believer. We see a contrast between law and grace. Where are you at in all of that? Are you feeding out in the world of sin? Or have you come to rest in the ark with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Let's pray.